Today's guest is Maggie Sauer, who is the director of the Office of Rural Health at the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. So I'm going to just let you take it away, Maggie, and tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into your current role. Right. Yeah. So thank you, Andrew. It's always wonderful to spend time with our AHECs and, uh, you know, our office has done a lot of work with Northwest AHEC in particular. So thank you for having me on and, and the partnership that exists there. Um, yeah, so I am the director of the Office of Rural Health. There are many, many people who do um, sp spread the entire state and do a lot of this work. Um, I've been at the Office of Rural Health almost six years. Um, it's my first time being in state government, um, but I come from kind of a long, uh, long line, if you will, of a rural background. I, I was one of those kids who thought, you know, I'm I'm going to leave rural uh, Colorado on the Eastern Plains and I'm not coming back to rural. And yet this is the place where my heart really is after um, some other some other opportunities. I'll just say that. So I came to um, the Office of Rural Health from the Foundation for Health Leadership and Innovation. And we had done a lot of work with Office of Rural Health then. Um, and so it was just a real, real pleasure to be at the office right now. What, what, what differences do you notice about North Carolina from Colorado when you came here? Oh boy. So I've been here over 30 years. Okay. And it turns out that I, um, I did not realize it, but my mother, one of her first cousins, um, lived here. And so I fell in love with North Carolina. And um, just, you know, I've worked at UNC and Duke and other places, but North Carolina, I think the similarities actually are that the culture is different in the mountains versus the eastern part of the state versus the central part of the state. And um, so in that, I think that there's some real similarities. And I think um, even today, some of, those, some of those distinctions have gotten greater, you know, um, but more important in terms of how we support our state and the resources and really concentrate on a community centered approach to health, you know, in North Carolina. Well, when you came here, what were the biggest challenges and how did you address those? And then how has that evolved to what your biggest challenges are now? Oh, that's, that's a good question. Thank you. Um, so my background is as a speech language pathologist, and I work with kids and adults with technology, you know, kind of connecting them to technology to help um, support their independence and so on. And so I, I think that when I came to North Carolina, I was at Boston Children's Hospital. And um, so I had a mentor who, you know, as, as you look at AHEC and leadership and all those things, a mentor who, um, had really gotten me to a point where I was so intensely interested in that field. His name was Dr. David Yoder, and he came down to uh, University of North Carolina as the, um, uh, he was in charge of the director of allied health services in the School of Medicine. And so when you look at, at the things that are important, I think across any profession um, and even in my current position, it really is about involving um, patients, involving people in the services that you deliver. And so it was always, I always say it was always brought up in a team-based environment um, because if we were doing evaluations or whatever, families and that individual are always 
so critical in, in sort of addressing the needs. And more than that, you know, having people travel so far to get services was just a really difficult barrier and burden to folks who were making those those distances, you know? And so I think it, that really kind of led into this notion that, um, you know, if people come from a rural community or come across the state, we need to do everything we can to support them in their own communities with the with the people who are there and the resources that we can bring to bear. Well, how how does the model work? I mean, you're there centrally located, I guess, and and you know, this is a state organization. How do you uh, deliver your services across the state and meet the needs of the individual rural communities. I mean, like you said, the mountains are different than the central part and then the coast. So what is the model you use and, and how do you overcome the challenges of, of those differences in each of those regions? Sure. So a lot of that is partnership. You know, it, it really is not about just us, you know, doing the work. But it really is about creating partnerships with people across the state. So, um, when Medicaid transformation uh, began, and and I when I came in with Secretary Cohen, one of the things you know was was creating these Medicaid regions. And so, part of what we decided to do with the programs in our office was to like we've got a loan repayment uh, a loan uh, loan repayment for health providers. We have um, community health grants. We have kind of a workforce effort. We have a health information technology team and a number of these folks. And we said, you know, we really need to think about how do we concentrate on a region to provide a more, a closer relationship with people in that region, farm worker health program. So, so that we can better, um, reach out and and work with those communities instead of you know one person may have something that they do on the east and the west but trying to create a team approach around each of those things and so um so that's one thing we've done is we created um, service area teams that that work with certain areas of the state um and i think the other thing in pre-pandemic i mean rural is not raleigh and so you know our thought is we like to be out in community as much as possible. So in other words, it doesn't do any good if we're just sitting in an office in Raleigh and not willing to go out and spend time with people in their community. So our teams pre-pandemic were really spending a lot of time on the road. Um, and I, so I think the second part that's happened with the pandemic is because there is a more robust virtual um, environment now i would say in our rural communities because broadband is such an, an issue and internet um but at least being able to reach out that way and like i said it's really about engaging people in those communities um to tell us what what is needed and how we can help yeah and it, the model i'm just trying to get my grasp the model i mean i you know i think of the community college model that we have in North Carolina that we're so blessed to have, um, you know, easy access or at least reasonable access to education. Is that kind of, is that a similar model for DHSS, DHSS to, to reach out to those communities and, you know, you say partner with the organizations and, and is that um, 
you know, just explain how capacity and and quality and those kind of things are fostered by your organization. Sure. So, um, if you were to go to go to our webpage at dhhs.gov, um, uh, North Carolina dhhs.gov, and you looked up on on our division, it would show you a map. Okay, of funded initiate initiated projects. Sometimes we're providing the funding. Sometimes it's another group that's providing the funding. But it, it really those projects, whether it's uh, you know medication assistance or whatever, scan from you know literally Graham County to Dare County in North Carolina. And so the there's an impetus there, obviously, because if we're giving out funding, then we we get to engage with people more closely. And so, to your point about the community college piece, it's 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 like that. Only if you think about the Medicaid um, regions, there are six across the state. You we begin to look at the projects and so on that we're engaged with within a Medicaid region, and we begin whether it's a public, whether it's a local health department, or it's a community health center, or it is a school-based health clinic or a rural health clinic. We start look and also critical access hospitals. We start looking at ways that maybe you can put those together and they have shared interests across their funding strategies. And so we have we have um, staff members that can go and talk with folks about doing that and so you know looking at a particular grant but trying to encourage um, partnership in that region across those those groups. Great, thanks for that. Um my i guess i'm thinking of how you determine i guess you know those feedback loops and things are you know explain maybe how you determine the needs and how do you measure and make a, and provide accountability or or demand accountability from those partners that you work with and what i'm thinking about is you know what are the the biggest factors the biggest needs in each area how do they, uh, you know, propose to address those, and how do you uh, provide help to to uh, to g give them what they need to address those? And and that goes a little deeper into like, you know, what are the different disease states that are? Uh, I mean, I know kind of the common disease states across the whole state and the nation for that matter, but are there specific pockets that are different than others? And I I don't really I, I'm having trouble getting to the specific question, but I can you kind of get what I'm yeah looking for here? Yeah, so um, there is um, it's called the Health Atlas at the um, uh, if you look up you know Division of Public Health and and um, Health Data, it's called a Health Atlas, and the reason that that was created when Dr. Cohen. Uh, first came into the state because we're really trying to look at health from a, a broader perspective. So in terms of focusing efforts and targeting efforts across the state, that allows you to sort of go in and look at um, the health, local health regions, public health regions, and it shows you essentially, is there a food desert there? Are there transportation issues? Are there housing issues? And it, it gets pretty detailed into you know particular counties and particular areas in the county and that kind of 
and that kind of thing. So we absolutely use that data. Um, when we have folks who work with us because they have a funded project, there are also reportable data that they give us that talk about, you know, diabetes, talk about hemoglobin, talk about, you know, high blood pressure, obesity, smoking cessation. And there are also, you know, um, state and national norms that we use to think about how do some of those folks perform, those folks being the folks who have the grants, perform in providing support with the monies that we give them to those uh, concerns, and how does that measure up then to North Carolina and national norms? And so, you know, we do a lot of partnering there too. So, for instance, some of our um, grantees may not, you know, be as aware of all of the resources that a local health department um, has, or even um, the state has. And so, if they're trying to work on on smoking cessation, let's say, or or anything else around nutrition and that kind of thing, we can oftentimes uh, partner with other folks who can help create additional um, content, information, training for the staff um, to, to help improve that. So we try to work hand in hand with mm -hmm. communities as, as, we're, as they're trying to tackle some of these issues, we're trying to bring resources and support for them to do it. Does that help? Yeah, I think so. Um, I had a few more questions pop up. I mean, you mentioned food deserts and transportation, housing, that sort of trifecta of of perennial issues, uh, if you will. And what are some successes you've seen in the in those in the you know in those topics and and where and and maybe how those have been addressed? And and I'm going to add on to that. I recently listened to us. A, a health statistician talk about uh, or biostatistician talk about the some experiments where you know where they identified food deserts and brought in uh, uh, you know fresh food supermarkets and things and uh, you know measured over time and did not actually see any uh, any positive outcomes in in overall health in the, in those populations so you know just just providing the access to healthy foods um, doesn't necessarily solve the problem. So I'm just curious to, you know, what you've seen as successes in the in some of those areas with regards to food, with regards to housing, with regards to transportation. Yeah, and and I think that those are really great questions. I think I think first of all, you look at the at the opportunity for North Carolina to expand Medicaid. Okay. Because if you can, if you, number one, if you can access resources, you know, that will help you with your health, that's, that's one, that's one, you know, big piece to the puzzle, right? And North Carolina has made these investments around how Medicaid transformation is going to move forward. So it's not just a doctor's visit that's going to, um, you know, solve the problem, right? We've all been to the doctor and they said, oh, you, you need to, you know, you need to go work out, you need to change your diet, you know, blah, blah, blah. And in communities where people don't have access to those resources, they're not safe in communities, they don't have transportation and all those things, you know, you have to solve for many things, not just one. And that's why North Carolina's investment in Medicaid transformation and the social determinants of health is really gonna be so critical 
I think, to moving the needle on this. And it's not going to move fast, but you, you know, we have a, a real commitment also to children and family well-being. And particular, if you look at what's happened during the pandemic, right? People couldn't get out. Then we were trying to look at ways of supplementing people's food and all that. And now we're we're shifting to try to think about what that looks like as we move out of the pandemic a bit. But to your point, it's not you can't just provide food. It has to be a 360 approach to how we help support people's health and have to do it in a way that is culturally sensitive, meaningful to that community. And so one of the other things North Carolina has been doing, um, and AHEC has been a big, big part of of this is community health workers, you know, connecting people to those resources by a trusted person and their community. Like, you know, my grandma probably when I was little was a community health worker. She was never, but you you talk to Lizzie Sauer and guess what? Lizzie could tell you about this and that and, you know, and, and she was trusted. So it's, it's those three things, you know, if you ask your minister, your doctor and your community, People are more likely to fall, you know, to follow some of those guidelines. So, you know, I wish I wish we could write a prescription and say this is what's going to be the silver bullet, but it's not. It really has to be on a more connected community level. Yeah, past few uh, episodes, I guess I've had on the podcast have been about community health care workers or community health workers, and it does seem like I mean I love the model, and I think that. Uh, I think there's a lot there and there's uh, certainly boots on the ground reporting is that they are making inroads and they are helping especially identify issues um, and are those trusted community connectors. And and I've made the comment too that um, the description of a community health worker sounds to me like what an ideal politician should be. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's what we would dream that our politicians would be is in the community doing the work you know helping people connecting resources and doing all that and I just I worry that we're putting a lot of uh, hopes on that role um, when uh, you know they are going through uh, some training and we have community colleges trainings and we have online courses and I'm involved in helping uh, with some health coaching modules with that okay. and I'm yes. excited about it because I think I think there's such a need for that dialogue to happen and those conversations to happen. Um, I just, uh, I hope that that model works. I just, uh, you know, I think my my biggest fear is that as we rely more and more on that, um, and if there aren't improvements overall, we're going to lose that as a source of trust for um, community. So I, I, I hope that doesn't happen, but um, I guess I'm trying to think of a question for you in that regard is just, you know, uh, you know, of all the things that uh, you're, you're doing, um, does that piece uh, excite you more than others? Or, you know, or tell me about your level of hope and excitement for the community health workers in, in that regard. So, you know, I think it, I think it's interesting, Andrew, too, because if you were to ask me what else do rural communities need, they need broadband. They need, they need support around digital equity so people feel comfortable accessing a job, education, health um, in, a, in a really, um, in a good way. And so, I, you know, I, 
I truly hope that community health workers are not made out as, this, as you know, the silver bullet. Yeah. You know, because I, I do think that there is a, there are times when people or we're all looking so, uh, we, we want to find the answer and the answer is not just one thing. The answer is, and that's why I really believe in teamwork and team led initiatives is because it's everyone, mm -hmm. right? So if you're, and it, and it will be different from one uh, part of the state to the other, but if you have a group of people who are engaged with the community, not just the community health workers, but you have a team of people um, you know, if it's the healthcare provider, it is, um, you know, the, the folks who are looking at social determinants of health, the community health worker, the community themselves, you know, who are invested in trying to create a rural community that has an economy for people to have jobs, has access to education, and then these other pieces, you know, the economy of where people live is is a health factor as well. We all know about zip codes, right? So I don't believe that there's a silver bullet. I do believe in community engagement. I believe that unless you do engage the community and the community health workers are one way into which engaging communities and that we're all as in a healthcare, um, in the way that we look at healthcare now, we have to look at it differently. Because heretofore, it wasn't working the way we wanted it to work. There are pockets, right? And there were projects, but we have a real opportunity here. Mm -hmm. North Carolina is perfectly positioned to not only bring these pieces together, but to create policies and, and things that will support people's health. And it's not mm -hmm. just one thing. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all that. I think I think it is. It's such a complex issue. And I think that if the pandemic showed us anything, it's how much um, people and, and everyone should uh, see their health as the biggest asset that they have and that it is within their control for the most part. I mean, there are the social drivers of, of health and things like that, but there are things that each one of us can do to improve our health and I think there's been sort of an erosion on, of trust in institutions over the last, especially over the last two years, with um, just the messaging of a one-size-fits-all uh, panacea for the, uh, you know, the 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 uh, virus that shall go unnamed. We haven't mentioned it yet, so um, I don't want to say the word. Um, but you know, there's been this top-down push is here's the fix that's it we're not going to talk about exercise or nutrition or vitamin d or or any of these other things um there's just one fix and i think a lot of people got turned off by that but also i think it awoke up a lot of people to say you know what i got to get healthier so what can i do and what does my community provide to that end and i think that's where the hs steps in and says Hey, we're connecting. We're doing all these things. Find out about it, and you know, here's how the government is here to help. And you, mm -hmm. you know, you've maybe eroded trust with some of these bigger, large health systems where you don't really know your family doctor anymore. You're just seeing whoever the provider is. You know, so there's all these things weaved into that. So I, I you know, I'll leave. I know you got to go soon, so I'll leave. Uh, kind of having said all that uh, i want you to kind of uh 
you know, evangelize and give your stump speech of how, you know, how DHS HS is going to, you know, is providing all these things that should, you know, that that's going to fit the pieces together, let's say. Yeah, so, so thanks, number one, for, for again, for having me on. And number two, you know, I think um, I've, I've not worked in state government before, and I will tell you, you have never seen a more passionate, more committed group of people than I have had the pleasure to call my team, you know, team partners and members, um, trying to think of everything, you know, out of the box ways that we can serve. You know, I do think a lot of the things you mentioned have been handled by local health departments in the past and everybody has been so stressed to just try to deal with COVID-19. So I'm going to say it. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, these, these were issues around trying to encourage folks to have adopt healthy behaviors and do all that before the pandemic started. And there are people who I will also tell you that have, have lost their jobs, lost their income and cry. You know, because that is that is not the place that they thought they were ever going to be. And so I think about the trust that people place in us as public servants and that and and I do believe that we have some tools and that getting out in community is going to be something that's really important. Not that we're telling everybody else what to do, but that we're allowing for that space. Um, and it was something that Jim Bernstein, frankly, who is the founder of our office, our, our state should be very proud. We have the first office of rural health in the nation. And Jim Bernstein was a Peace Corps guy. So that's where he started. And he came back to the United States and said, you know, we have rural health that looks a lot like where I was during my Peace Corps time. And it was always, always the underlying position was you engage the community. You don't do things to the community. You let the community tell you what are the things that are important to them. It's been harder to do during the pandemic because we're just trying to make sure people don't get continue to get sick. But the underlying premise of how we can people help people stay healthy, we're there and people are very committed to. And so I do think that part of what we do as the office, office of rural health is to create a less um, formalized way of reaching us because we'll we'll come out to see you. We want to listen to you. We want to touch and talk to the folks in community. Um, and so I just issued that as an invitation. Thank you, to Maggie Sauer, ladies and gentlemen. I really appreciate it, and I hope you can come back and join me when we have more time. I get I, I could talk for hours. Um, I can think of a million questions I have, but uh, until that time, go visit ncdhhs.gov and click check out all the resources and the things that are going on in your community. Thank you again for agreeing to be here, and I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity, and thank you for the questions. All right, please come back. All right. All right. Take good care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.